Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. I'm not sure where that came from. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Morrison here. Glad to have you here to learn the skills, to learn the persuasion, to learn influence, to take your life and your income to the next level. We're going to talk about motivation, how to motivate yourself, how to motivate others. Nothing's worse when someone says, great presentation. They say, you're going to do it. No, I don't think so. I don't have time. And they make excuses. It sounded good, but they just weren't motivated to do that. It's all part of your call to action. It's all part of getting people to change all under the realm of influence and persuasion. Hopefully everyone's achieving their goals, getting more persuasion tools, persuading with power. I had a great week, got a lot of things done. Did quite a few webinars with some large companies. I don't know if they want me to name names. Did some training on leadership. How do you influence up? How do you influence to the side? And of course, persuasive presentations. We'll have announcements on that one soon. Plus, it was a great week because did some wakeboarding, did some family time, and just enjoyed nature. Got to do that every once in a while. Get out to nature, reset, so you can kick into gear for the next week. Anyway, that's how I am programmed. Let's start off with the geeky scholarly article. Now, this one's turning off your camera can reduce Zoom fatigue. Now, I spent a few podcasts on this, on Zoom fatigue and things that are happening, that it's a real thing. And you can go to the archives and check it out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Check out the past episodes. It's also the home of the Persuasion IQ, your free Persuasion IQ assessment. You get a gift for doing that. You can check out Influence University. And, of course, pick up the book Maximum Influence for free. Just pick up a little shipping and handling, and I've been asked, is that the new edition? And it is the new edition. Everything you want from coaching to contacts is all right there, or just hit me up at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. With that being said, let's get into the Journal of Applied Psychology and the University of Arizona about this Zoom camera thing. Now, I've talked about this before. I've converted a lot from my traveling around the world to getting Zoom, which I don't like. I mean, I do it. There's progress, people get better, but nothing's more rewarding than being in front of an audience and helping people become more persuasive, influential. And I was complaining about it before that it takes two, three times the effort and people are like, yeah, right, whatever. You're at home in your pajamas or standing up. And I do have a suit jacket with shorts on. It just keep me cooler because there's studio lights that make it really hot. So you got to stay cool. It was just crazy to me that it took more energy. Trying to explain to my wife too that... (laughs) Flying on airplanes takes a lot of energy. She's like, you're sitting there and reading books or watching movies and you're not doing much and they're feeding you food. And that's all true. But for some reason, as you know, for those who travel quite a bit, flying can suck the life and energy out of you. So let's talk about the Zoom fatigue. Also, the archives of the Zoom fatigue study from Stanford. Basically, Zoom fatigue is a feeling of being drained, lacking energy following a day of virtual meetings. So this is research by Dr. McClellan. 
He says it's the camera that's mostly to blame. And I agree with that. We went over another study before that it drives people crazy because it's like we're watching yourself in a mirror the whole time. Because if you're sitting in an audience, you're not watching yourself, you're watching the speaker. Now you have everyone's faces looking at you, your own face looking at you, and the instructor's face looking at you causes a little tension. He says there's always the assumption that if you have your camera on during meetings, you're going to be more engaged. But there's also a lot of self-presentation pressure associated with being on camera. Having a professional background and looking ready or keeping the children out of the room are among some of the pressures. So we did an experiment to try to figure it out. And he did find out that when the camera was on, it was more tiring during those virtual meetings. They had more fatigue. And that fatigue correlated with less voice and less engagement during the meetings. He also went on to say that employees who tend to be more valuable as far as their social position in the workplace, it didn't affect them as much as the newer, less tenured employees. Kind of interesting. If you've been around a while, you have the relationships, you're not as stressed as looking good, maybe you know your job's secure, you feel comfortable in your skin, the people you're bantering with also feel the same way, it does not affect them as much as being a new employee. thought that was really interesting. So he says, you don't always have to have people turn off their cameras, but they should be able to decide to choose whether or not to use cameras. So I think the super long meetings you have to be careful of with the camera on. I think some meetings when it's pure instruction, you don't need to have cameras on. I know, me too. I do a lot of webinars and I like the cameras on. It keeps people more engaged because I know just like me, you could be multitasking, answering emails, answering the phone, doodling away, eating something, drinking something, running to the bathroom. I get it. It happens. So it doesn't give us a lot of clarity, but it does tell us about the Zoom fatigue. And there are other old webinar formats that I still use to where you're just showing the PowerPoint slide on the screen. It's less stressful. You don't get as quite as much engagement, but it seems like satisfaction is a little bit higher doing something like that. But you've got to decide the length of meeting, who's in the meeting, how much they know each other in the meeting, What's going to be done in the meeting? Just be aware, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And that's our geeky scholarly article. Which brings us to the persuasion this week. Not a ninja, not a blunder, but a blinja. I'm going to let you decide if it's a ninja or a blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! Now, on the ethical side, it's obviously a blunder, not something you should do. But, you know, when... People come up with really creative things. It's always fascinating to me. And some of the most creative minds out there are criminals. It's just true. And I have to add to that, hackers, right? Criminals and hackers, very creative, very smart people coming up with ways to get your email, to get your passcodes, to steal your things. Again, I'm not saying that it's right. I don't want you to use this, but I just want to throw it out there because it's an interesting concept that has been happening. Usually in a city, you know, probably a medium-sized, even larger cities where they have parking spots outside. So this burglar wants to steal your car, assumes that you can see your car from your apartment window. Let's say maybe it's a five, six-story building. Your car's parked out front. You got that great parking space. Your alarm's on. You got to protect yourself. And the burglar just whacks your window and your alarm goes off. You look out your window. Maybe you go downstairs. You turn it off. You're like, geez, man. And then you go back up, relax a little bit, and 10 minutes later, the burglar whack on your window, and it goes off again. And, you know, going outside, no one's around, you don't see anybody from your window, oh, you turn it off, 
And 10 minutes later, you're whacking again. And now your neighbors are getting tense, maybe complaining, or maybe you're just worried about your neighbors. This keeps going off. And these are loud, annoying things. And this goes on maybe five, six, seven times. You get frustrated. Nobody's around. There's no damage to your car. What's going on? It must be broken. It must be broken. And you turn it off. You'll get it fixed tomorrow. You need to get your good night's sleep. And once you fall asleep, the burglar, the thief steals your car. Okay. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. I've had my car stolen before. I know that experience. They probably did the same thing. But kind of an interesting thing to where it kind of throws you off your guard. You don't see anything. You're not thinking it's a thief. Is that a blunder? Like, come on. You're using your skills to steal, or is that a ninja? Wow, that's pretty creative. And I'm leaning toward creative ninja. Wow, that's intelligence. Again, I'm not talking about the ethical side that you should be doing this, but as far as being creative, being persuasive, getting your goal, the car, I'm saying ninja, but I'm going to let you decide. Which pops us into listener email. Oh, boy. Now, of course, we're going to use your email on the show. You get a free membership to Influence University, the gold level. The platinum level is with me. That's more of an inner circle. The gold level has all the videos, all the trainings, the advanced persuasion techniques. So, Julie, you get that. Julie from California says, Kurt, doing the 111 sales hacks and selling with power. Okay, thanks, Julie. I like your twist on that one. And we'll post a link to that on the websites at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It's in beta. And it's actually more than 111, basically three, four minute videos. Here's the technique. Here's the tool. Here's the research. Here's how you apply it. Kind of fun to put together. She says, now I know you talk a lot about self-persuasion and I want you to talk about motivation because I heard you say that the way you motivate yourself and motivate others is basically the same. I'm feeling that's my weak link, both in my personal life and motivating my prospects Please advise. All right, Julie and everybody, let's talk about motivation. Because you can go to anybody on the street and say, hey, you want to make more money, better relationships, lose some weight. And most people are like, oh, yeah. What are you doing about it? You know, looking at the gym in January versus February, there's a definite fall off. And so there's all this want and the motivation to get there can be a big challenge. What's going on? What's happening? Let's talk about it. So really, how do you motivate yourself and others every time? I say the formula is very simple, following it step by step. And in the business world, it's interesting that managers, when they look at motivation, they say compensation's number one, job security's number two. But when you ask employees, number one is interesting work. Number two is appreciation. Compensation doesn't come in until number five. And so there's a disconnect between what managers think and what employees want. So let's take a look at the formula. I call it the motivation system. We talk about it in Persuasion IQ. It's actually persuasion skill number seven with great top persuaders, ability to motivate yourself and motivate others is very important. Keep motivated yourself and others is very important. So I came up with this quadrant, this grid, this system that works very well, that explains the secret of motivation. I've spent many years studying motivation, how to motivate yourself, motivate others, And I'm going to give you the secrets today that'll make a big difference. And here's the biggest piece. What motivates you today doesn't motivate you tomorrow. What motivates you tomorrow might not motivate you the next week. Motivation changes day to day, person to person, hour to hour, 
You have to have multiple steps, multiple levels, multiple areas, I guess we can call it, of motivation. Because let's back up a little bit and say, a lot of people say, oh, creatures of habit, we won't change, we won't change. No, people love to change. Now, hold on, think about it. When there's something in it for me, I'm like, excuse me, sir, can I increase your income by 20%? Hey, can I uh, increase your health by 42%? Can I give you 30% more free time? (laughs) Can I give you 20% more time with your family? Uh, Who's going to resist that? That's a welcome change. And so there's change we resist and change we like. We don't resist all change. and, And motivation is a big part of that change. So the big picture is this. There are only two motivators in life. I mean, really. Some say pleasure, pain. Some say reward, punishment. Some say carrot to stick, but you know, that's assuming you like carrots. So that's a whole nother issue. But I want to put it to you this way. It's inspiration and desperation. That's it. Inspiration and desperation. On a rudimentary level, we're going to expand that a little bit. There are other areas to that. Inspiration and desperation. What gets you up in the morning? What gets you to read a book, your personal development? What gets you to listen to this podcast? Is it desperation, you got to make more money, make more sales, or inspiration, you're going to change lives and improve the world? Let me ask you this, have you ever been to a dentist out of inspiration? Hmm, so what I'm saying is, inspiration is the best motivation, but you can't use that every day, or it might not be something you can use. And I want to put it out there that desperation is better than inactivity. Going to the dentist out of desperation is better than not going at all. And you can motivate everybody with desperation. The challenge, it's very short term. It doesn't last very long. Take a lazy teenager laying on the couch, playing video games. They won't move. They won't do anything. Just go out of the garage, get a can of gasoline, and light the couch on fire. I mean, this is pretty simple. And you're going to see instant motivation, the fastest you've ever seen them move. But the challenge is, is once the fire's been put out, you've been arrested, the couch has been replaced, they're probably going to be back on that couch because it was a temporary motivation. Again, better than nothing, but not the best motivation. So if you're in your car, just visualize this. If you're in your office, map this out. Let's do a little quadrant here, our motivation system, so you can understand exactly how this works. So draw a horizontal line across your paper, or in your imagination, and on the left, write desperation, on the right, inspiration. And in the middle is kind of your comfort zone, complacency, nothing's happening. Desperation. Now, with desperation, you're moving away from something. You don't like it. You are running away from that problem, that challenge, whatever's happening. Inspiration, you're moving towards something exciting, a vision, the future. So desperation might be something you're worried about. Inspiration might be your vision of the future, something that really excites you. Now, here's an important piece, especially with prospects that when you're talking to your prospect and you're motivating them in one sitting, we're not talking long-term motivation, but in one sitting, you have to peg where they're at. If they're motivated by desperation, crank it up. Put salt in the moon. Yeah, probably it's going to happen. You're going to lose a lot of money. This is going to happen. You're going to FOMO. You're going to have an accident, not have life insurance. That's pure desperation. And then you buffer it with a little hope, inspiration. You're going to sleep better at night when you have this insurance. This is going to happen. You're going to be successful. Here's what I'm pointing out. When your prospects and inspiration, they're excited about what you had, the future and the changes it's going to make, and they're excited and they have inspiration, stay there. Don't go to desperation, it'll backfire you, because that's not where they're at. They're an inspiration, move towards that. Now, is the world more motivated by inspiration or desperation? The answer is desperation. Yeah, I would say numbers, it's almost 80% of the time desperation, 20% inspiration. 
just based on a few studies, looking at that, most of the time I have to go to work. I have to lose weight. My doctor says I need insurance. What if, what if? That's just reality. That's why scarcity is more of a desperation thing than an inspiration thing. Now, do a vertical line right through the middle of the inspiration, desperation, horizontal line on the top right, internal drive, so internal, and at the bottom right, external pressure, or that's external. Then we go through each one of these. So let's go to order of impact or how long they last. Now, the lower left-hand quadrant is external pressure, external desperation. So let's take your present job, for example, Monday morning, when most heart attacks happen, by the way. Monday morning... You don't want to go to work. You hate your work. You just don't want to go. What external things would give you desperation to go to work? It could be force or even, let's just say fear. It's fear. You go to work out of fear. Very temporary, but it gets you there. You don't want to go. External things like losing your house, losing your job, losing your spouse, not taking care of your children, losing your car, creditors, bankruptcy. That fear, those external things give you fear or desperation to get you to go to work. Right above that in the upper left-hand quadrant is what we call obligation or duty. That's internal, comes from inside. That's internal desperation. You don't want to go to work, but out of obligation, you know, they've been good to me. They haven't paid me well. They do pay my bills. And, you know, they are expecting me to finish a project. And, well, all right, I really don't want to. But out of obligation or duty, you go to work. It lasts a little longer, a little bit better because it's internal more than external, but still not your best motivation. Now, the lower right-hand quadrant is external inspiration. And by the way, I'll put one of these quadrants at MaximizeYourInfluence.com so you can take a look at it. So that lower right-hand quadrant, external inspiration, is that of love or respect. You wake up and something, external things, inspire you to go to work. For you go to work to send your children to the best schools, to get a bigger house for your spouse, to go on a big vacation. Or maybe it's the respect for your coworkers. You work with great people. You're making a difference. You're in a great team. And there's some cohesion there. But then the very best, the longest lasting is upper right, internal from the inside, inspiration, which we call passion or purpose. You wake up in the morning, you don't even need an alarm clock, you're passionate, you love what you're doing, you're changing the world, you don't care how many hours you work, you're making a difference, you're passionate. So as you think about or look at these four quadrants, which one should you use? And the answer is, uh, yeah, all of them, depends on the day. Every day is a little bit different. If I'm giving a presentation, I start with the fear and move to the passion because my audience is full of everybody in different levels. I make sure I hit all four quadrants. In your personal life, you're trying to lose weight. What I have people do working with weight loss centers and persuasion and motivation, self-persuasion, mindset, I have people put three reasons in each category. And when they're not feeling motivated, they look at the list and they find something that motivates them. And here's the secret again. Some days it's inspiration and some days it's desperation, but at least you're motivated. If you want to lose weight, what would be fear? A heart attack? Dead? Uh, okay, yeah, that might work some days. Obligation? Maybe to yourself. Well, you're better than that. Take better care of yourself. Maybe obligation to a family member, maybe to your parents to take care of them. Then there's respect and love going to the inspiration side. Your family, your spouse, your grandchildren. Then there's internal inspiration, the passion. Maybe it's a charity you want to start. Maybe you want to go out and serve the world. There's, there's certain things you want to accomplish. Could be passion. 
Different days, different things will motivate you. And that is the secret of motivation. Bottom line, now you have it. There's the secret. I'll post the graphic at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or you can just map it out how I described it. So Julie, there's the answer to your question. That's persuasion IQ skill number seven. Nothing's worse than when people want to do something but they're not motivated enough to do it. Now you have a formula to be able to do it. That's the key. Take that one to the bank as one of your persuasion skills. So thanks for listening. Do appreciate it. I will continue the special on the 111 sales hacks. That's going to be in the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com for podcast number 391. As always, please hit like, subscribe, tell your family, friends, and enemies we're on iTunes under Maximize Your Influence. Leave a rating, would love that, on YouTube. Also on YouTube under Maximize Your Influence, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You know the drill. I'm always saying it. Take something you've learned today. A little piece, a little snippet, or even the whole thing. Take it. Learn it. Master it. Make it become part of who you are. Go out and make the world a better place. Become more influential and go out and persuade with power.